Welcome, Goofsters, to the fourth installment to the 12-episode podcast exploration of the Disneyland character department, the Two Goofs Podcast. Jabber John at you on the mic tonight. I'm the goof whose proof is in the pudding, whatever that means, Adam. <laughs> and as always, the goof who loves to lay down the truth, it's Jeff. Yes, I do. We're so happy you joined us this time around because we have a lot to share about our perspective from inside the costumes, portraying so many Disney characters. We're going to get into just exactly who and how many characters we did play over the years. But... Speaking of sharing, if you're enjoying the show, could you share your feelings with the world by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes? Nothing fancy. We just want to know what you like best about our monthly Yak Fest here and help other Disney parks-loving folks to find us and join the conversation. So if you could do that, we'd really appreciate it. Give you a big, goofy high five. High four. High four. We only have four fingers. That's a good point. But with that business out of the way, we do have some folks who are already sending their stories and uh, special moments to us. So it's time for a little something we call Goof Mail. We've got a very special communication tonight from a listener named Jay with a heartwarming tale of Disney magic to share. So, Jeff, take it away. Jay writes this. I recently returned from Disneyland celebrating my wife's life there. We had our honeymoon at Disney World, and I always told her I would take her to Disneyland. I brought a locket with some of her ashes around my neck to the park, so I fulfilled my promise. I wanted to encounter characters, since that's my favorite thing to do, and as I met each one of them, I told my story of how I was celebrating her life, and I even wore a pin with her picture on it below my I'm celebrating button. Each character was very caring and gave me the much-needed love and hugs. However, as I told Minnie on Main Street, I must have touched off something in her, and about a half an hour later, after watching the marching band on Main Street, the host came back up to me and asked if they could do something special for me, and if I could wait over near the door near the gift shop where the characters go in and out. I thought, sure, maybe I'd get a picture with both Minnie and Mickey together. Well, she arranged for ten minutes of private time with the Fab Five. That's Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, Pluto and Donald, plus Chip and Dale. They also assigned a park photographer to me who took over 85 photos and then printed out a $100 photo package and gave it to me. Needless to say, this was a magical moment and something I will never, ever forget. The cast member even went further as I was having breakfast on Sunday with Minnie's breakfast. They arranged to make sure that Max, Goofy's son, would be at that breakfast to meet me because he's my all-time 100% favorite character. The minute I walked into the breakfast, Max knew who I was, walked up to me, and gave me a huge hug. Between the park photos and my photos, I have almost 350 pictures from that week. This is something I will never ever forget, and it's all because of a mouse. Wow. I mean, you hear the stories, and then you hear the stories. I mean, that that is major. And, you know, it's something that I think every Disney employee aspires to. Literally in every department, you hope that you can create something special like that. And when you have the ability to really push it to the next level, um, and you hear something like that where... Uh, it means so much to the guest. I mean, all the best to you, Jay, and thank you so much for sharing that amazing tale of Disney characters banding together to honor a love that lasts forever. That's really very, very special. But what I think is interesting when we talk about what we want to be able to do, it kind of comes down to the characters' ideas. You know, are you, are you going to be creative that day? Are you going to go with the flow? What is your version of the character that you're bringing to life? How do you do that? And so that really is the focus of this episode. We're going to be talking about our character philosophy. So not only will we be literally going down each character that we had a chance to play, but also what our favorite shtick was. How did we bring those characters from, you know, the animated screen 
to real life walking around in the parks or in the different locales that Disney is able to invite guests to be a part of. I think this is going to be kind of fun because there is a very serious level of performance that should go into your uh, your work <laughs> as a costume character. <laughs> we'll probably get into a couple fun stories, I think, as well. Maybe some of our uh, cohorts who weren't quite as motivated. Well, something in, that even actually came out of our last episode that Adam and I were talking about that, that kind of struck me as the interesting aspects of your experience, Adam, versus my experience, because one of the things that comes from being a rookie, we talked last time about how Adam didn't even realize that there was a draft to actually pick your shifts because he didn't really get to pick his shifts because he was a, a new guy. And then you came back years later and became a new guy all over again. And so what that did is you ended up doing a lot of what they would call low priority shifts. So like, for example, Goofy being in Town Square or Goofy being in Frontierland or something like that, where it's good and they want to have that character there. But if a, quote, high priority shift were something like Goofy in Toontown, for example, where we got to have a Goofy in Toontown, and if that person gets sick or calls in or whatever, they would then pull from those low priority shifts. So for me, as a veteran, especially after being there for several years, I would always choose the high priority shifts. Like I loved Goofy's Kitchen over at the Disneyland Hotel, but that meant I never got pulled for anything because they needed to have Goofy in Goofy's Kitchen. So that's the interesting thing is we're going to start talking about characters. The vast majority of my time at Disneyland, I played the exact same character because that's what I chose to do. Whereas it sounds like for you, Adam, there were some moments where like, hey, we really need to have Launchpad that's going to be cutting the ribbon of some whatever. So that's kind of an interesting uh, dynamic, I think, that we can talk about tonight. If only I'd gotten to put on Launchpad <laughs> again after my audition. That would have been a dream. Uh, but as Jeff said, being goofy height characters and hiring in as such, there is a priority, there is a need for goofies, and there are many, many variations of goofy, and we're going to get into those. But of course you have the classic original goofy costume, right? And we've already mentioned how comfortable it is to wear and how well it breathes in previous episodes, but we're talking about Goofy with the vest, you know, you got your suspenders on, got your blue pants, just a standard everyday Goofy walking around the park. So Jeff, this is what I'm curious about. When you would go out and say, look, I'm here, I am Goofy, with your physicality, for example, did you have a conscious model that you were following? Was it the cartoon? Was it something you imagined within yourself? What, what can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, well, the one thing that, and, and you kind of touched on this already, Adam, is that um, I think that, that despite how we kind of started off this show talking about people with drama backgrounds working at Disneyland, or at least in the character department, that really wasn't my experience. So I didn't really find that people were going through like Stanislavski's method to try and figure <laughs> out like, What's my inner motivation? How do I capture? But for me, as an aspiring actor, there were times that I literally did that. I mean, like, I would go home and I would watch cartoons of Mickey and Goofy and all of the things just to kind of see what are some gags that they would do and what's this character all about. But I think I was in the vast, vast minority. As a matter of fact, I might have been the literal only person in the company that did that. But if you think about it from an acting perspective, it is actually quite a challenge because there has never been a Disney cartoon where Goofy has to deal with someone who is outraged at the fact that they have had to pay $60 to get into this park. I don't know how to interact with that. And so it, it is kind of like a, you know, improv sort of a challenge to figure out what that would look like. But the, the one bottom line that you can say is every cartoon I ever watched, I would never say Goofy was ever, I mean, certainly malicious, but never negative, which is, is, is hard sometimes. And I broke that rule a couple of times where just the inner me just kind of took over and it's just like, Goofy would never, like, snap his head and stare at anybody. Goofy would... No, he'd always be 
positive, he'd always be fun, and he'd always be fun-loving. And so that, for me, that was kind of that challenge. How do I do that? And absolutely. And yeah, I think you always have to start with what is the motivation of the character. And literally, Goofy's motivation is just to be sweet and have a little fun with everybody. For me, the core of Goofy was humility. He was the most humble of characters. And so, for example, if somebody would come up and ask for an autograph, my first reaction was always like, I would point to myself and, and like, me? You you want you want me? My autograph? Oh, okay. You know, like Goofy was just there in the park just having a good time. Like, oh, okay, if that's what you want. But like, I would kind of shrug my shoulders and be like, all right, you know, and just start having some fun. So it was, it was always to say to them, oh, well, I don't think I'm better than you. I'm not this big celebrity. You know, I'm, I'm just Goofy. I'm just the guy in the neighborhood here but especially what i always like to do the performance of goofy i think the thing that you could associate the most with goofy would be him like oh yeah gosh but you can't say that you can't talk as a character so what is right. third down the list the most identifiable essence of goofy and to me it was his walk and so the, you know you had to kind of have this kind of rubber band arms and legs and just a little bit of a, a hop in his step just barely head bobbing just a little bit but my model for goofy was shaggy from scooby-doo because <laughs> i feel like if you put the two of them together side by side and you, you had them walk they're almost identical hannah barbera known for ripping off a lot and they probably <laughs> ripped off goofy's walk for shaggy there but that was what was always in my mind as i was walking around and uh and so that that was like if i as long as i had that down i felt like i had goofy represented properly and then it was building on top of that so like i said aside from being humble outside of that you had had to be again like goofy you see him a lot he gets shy right so there would be a lot especially like if you're with a little kid you notice is a little scared or something of goofy of how tall you are you know you kind of maybe take a knee then you put your ears over your eyes you know to kind of oh, act like you're on. being shy and then you do a little peekaboo with them you know things like that basically i always felt like goofy understood kids because he just was a big kid i always thought that ear maneuver was <laughs> that wasn't my maneuver. No, no. Well, the two parts of the conversation that I think are really interesting is that one, as a as a fan of the Muppets, something that that like amazed me relatively recently. Like I was not a kid when I realized that like, hey, you know what? Kermit's eyes never move because you don't even realize it because the whole rest of him moves That's and because true. of the way. And so it's that same thing, like Goofy's mouth never moves, Goofy's eyes never move, Goofy's face never changes expression. So like that's your maybe your limitation, but it's interesting if you do everything else well, people don't even notice. I've had quote unquote conversations with people where they full on feel like they talk to Goofy even though Goofy didn't actually say a word just because you react and you move like you're actually speaking. And it was it was something about instead of letting the costume control you you controlled it and so it's that same thing like like we talked about a, a couple of episodes ago it was always that challenge with goofy with the eye contact and let's hope you would never see one if you go to disneyland today but the ones that always make me cringe is when you see goofy like opening his mouth to people and that's somebody <laughs> who's not doing their eyes they're just literally looking at you with their eyeballs so it, that takes a little bit of doing but once you kind of get it shouldn't be that's going to define you instead you kind of use that same thing you got your ears going and and the different parts of the costume like you said there's a lot more limiting costumes than goofy but you can still utilize that one now jeff i know did you did you have like a picture pose that you felt like was your signature oh. pose that you would generally do for most pictures or did it change well that was another one when you work long enough you get to see the cringy things that you see other people do and i know like there was one guy that for some reason every time they would take a photo he would wrap his left leg around the guest and i'm like what are you doing yeah. and it was just i guess it was <laughs> goofy or wacky but it was just kind of creepy yeah uh a lot of other goofies would grab their ears and hold them out like pippy long stocking didn't really work for me either but you know <laughs> I, so i don't think i i really had like a thing it mm -hmm. was mostly about eye contact because the interesting thing is and i kind of slouch a little bit i don't have great posture anyway but the goofy costume is actually designed to emphasize that so you look like you're slouching 
So it kind of gives you already like a, a posture. Yeah, you got a little hump on your back. Exactly. And a weird little belly thing going. <laughs> well, and, and so for me, like as far as like picture posing, I did have something I always felt was, again, kind of classic Goofy, which is when you see You the him, leg guy? I knew it. Dude. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to... <laughs> well, no, I was not that leg guy. <laughs> I had a little leg maneuver, but it did not break the guest's personal space barrier. <laughs> but no, but I always felt like when you see Goofy, he's always got a foot out, right? He's always kind of stepping out, but he always had a heel down and kind of his big shoe sticking out. So for me, I always did that in my photos. I at least had one leg out with the heel, so it's just barely touching and your toes pointed to the sky. I usually do a little not quite as high jazz hands down below, just kind of a little ta-da down by my waist. Again, I'm sure a lot of people did that, but for me, I, I wanted to make sure that that was something the guests were getting and Goofy wasn't just literally like standing there with his, his arms down at his sides or one arm at his side <laughs> and one arm around your shoulder limply. You know, it's like Goofy has to be ready and he's excited that you chose to take a picture with him. Oh, hey, all right. So, that you know, that's the standard Goofy costume. But the other one that Jeff and I wore quite a bit was over at Goofy's kitchen and that was Chef Goofy. So, Jeff, what can you tell us about the Chef Goofy costume and the difference in uh, putting that on and, and its style? Yeah. Well, the, the interesting thing about every character costume, which came up when the, the, the story of me and the Queen of Hearts, is that they are designed to not only completely cover every square inch of skin. If you have any human skin exposed, you've done something wrong. But two, it's designed to, to hide every part of you so that it doesn't look like it's just a human standing there. So again, that's why they have padding to emphasize certain things. So with the Goofy's Kitchen costume, it was literally just a chef's outfit. So you just had the white jacket... Well, first off, they gave us white pants, and they gave us, like, checkered pants. But they were just, like, pants, basically, with, like, elastic and stuff. And you would wear that over your goofy pad, so you would already have the physique. And then they gave us, like, a cravat or whatever, like, this little yeah, neckerchief little thing. thing. Yeah, scarf <laughs> thing, <laughs> I guess they just... Because it was, honestly, it was a really boring costume. So you're saying over the time that you worked there, the costume was evolving. Well, yeah, it was more like they tried something and they're like, oh, never mind. (laughs) Okay, because yeah, now the other part to me that was always a struggle with Chef Goofy was that the standard Goofy costume, that head has the green Goofy hat attached. You know, it's a hard sculpted piece and it's, it's bolted to the head. So that's not going anywhere. But when you were being Chef Goofy, it was basically a bear Goofy head and you had to attach hatch the chef's hat with pins and that was always a real big hassle for me i was not very good at that and uh <laughs> so i always worried that there would be a pin edge sticking out and a guest was gonna like rub my head and get poked right. and i was i was Rookie felt bad <laughs> which is again going back to why i would always save my favorite head because i just leave that hat pinned on i'm coming back tomorrow man just leave it there But with Chef Goofy, as far as characterization, how is he going to be different? Well, being in a restaurant, you can't really get too animated, like, as far as, like, jumping around, because there's a table right behind you, there's a table to the right of you, you know, like, you want your elbows to knock over somebody's drink into their spaghetti. proper phrase here. Yes. (laughs) Versus shouldn't. Yeah, we're going to have a Disney dining (laughs) episode where we're telling about some mishaps, but, uh... But with Chef Goofy, I always tried to do a really terrible, like, he wasn't being snooty, but what Goofy's version of what he thought fancy was. You know, so I was still Goofy, but I was always doing swirly hand motion. My hand motions were a lot more fluid, but also kind of just silly, because I was trying to say, welcome to my restaurant! You know, like, Goofy suddenly was some <laughs> Italian guy, you know, and he's, he's so excited that you're there. And I would always do a lot of very quick pointing to the food. Do you like this? Do you like this? Oh, so happy! Rub my hands together. You know, I often would really put on a show as to how hard Chef Goofy Goofy was working in the kitchen, do a mixing bowl with my curved arm and then wipe the sweat and just tell them, oh, this was such an effort, you know. So, Jeff, did you feel like you did anything different as Chef Goofy versus regular standard old Goofy in the park? Oh, versus regular, not versus you. Okay, versus you, I'd say everything different. different. (laughs) Well, because, again, so you're dressed like a chef and it actually does say... Your name on the, the pocket, it says Goofy Chef de Cuisine, which ironically 
doesn't mean you're the head chef. It technically, the chef de cuisine is basically the assistant chef to the executive chef. So who the executive chef is, who knows? But so for me, I'd walk around a little bit less like you're talking about and more like I owned the restaurant. So I would always <laughs> start every set. I would walk into the food prep area, which is probably a health code violation. But, you know, nobody stopped me. Well, no, I take it back. They did eventually. And so I'd walk back there. Because the cool thing is you could see from the, the restaurant, you could see into the kitchen. So Goofy would be back there in the kitchen, and I'd be pointing to the different chefs, telling them what to do and whatever. And again, I'd worked there long enough that they all knew who I was, so they were more okay with it, I think. And then I'd go around. I'd always have a napkin in my pocket, so I'd be like dusting the different tables. And, and I used to, I would never actually bust tables because that would get my costume dirty, but I definitely would. if. <laughs> and I totally did have some guests that are like, Goofy, do you have any more napkins? I'm like, just one second, sir. And I would go and I would get him more napkins. And I would like, is, is, is everything okay? Does he like the food? Is everything? That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, so Goofy was on top of things when Jeff was around. All right, so the other alternate Goofy that, I, again, I don't know how often you were over there, Jeff, but at Disney's California Adventure, you basically had tourist Goofy. And that's how I always took it is Goofy is on vacation from Disneyland. He lives in Toontown and he's traveling and taking that long trip to California Adventure and he's got on his cargo shorts and his sneakers. He's got on his Hawaiian shirt. Goofy's just excited to be there. The only thing he was missing was a fanny pack, which is a shame. So I always enjoyed that. Usually my shifts when I was the uh, tourist Goofy, California Adventure Goofy, I don't know what the official term was for that costume, but I would usually be in the, the Hollywood backlot area. And so I just did a lot of sightseeing myself until people would find me so and, and i'd almost i'd almost treat somebody else like a celebrity be like oh it's you this is so yeah let's take a picture i, I tell you to do a, a finger motion to hold up like the shape of a camera be like yeah we should do pictures yeah this person's great woohoo everybody look at them look at them that was kind of goofy was just excited to have the tourists there they were his personal celebrities yeah and i think like for me like the one big thing for the california adventure costume which again i did not do very often was that if i recall it was Goofy wearing shorts, which did mean that as us humans, we did have to wear tights, which is a little bit peculiar as a, as a male. We don't wear many <laughs> tights, but at Disneyland you do. So we would, and especially that, I think we, do we have a short sleeve shirt too? I thought it was a Hawaiian shirt. Well, he had a, a shirt underneath and then an open Hawaiian shirt. Right, yeah. right, right. But it was, it was short sleeve. So that meant yeah, that right. for a lot of us, we would wear both tights and a leotard. Exactly. So this is theater, my friends. This is how we're rolling. <laughs> Now, the tights you couldn't get away without, especially when you're wearing shorts. But the shirt, they did actually have, instead of a leotard, they did have extensions that you could get. But those were kind of unreliable. So you just kind of swallowed your masculine pride and you put on your tights and your leotard like a man. And uh, you went out and you did it. But it was great, like, especially in summer. Oh, man. Being able to wear, like, that makes a huge really difference. Really does, Being yeah. able to wear. Because on the flip side, which I don't know if we're going to go into other iterations... Santa Goofy was a nightmare. <laughs> that was the hottest costume Goofy ever had to wear, if you ask me. We actually did talk about that in a previous episode. And honestly, like, I think that's all that needs to be said. I mean, it's Goofy <laughs> in a Santa costume, but you're sitting down. That's true. That so helps. so you're not really moving around and working up a sweat. And, and it is December, so technically it's cooler. But yeah, that is, there's a little bit thicker costume involved with, with Santa Goofy. And a beard. You had to pin the beard on and the hat. But speaking of characterizations, which I always thought was really interesting, because for me, if Goofy is going to be playing Santa Claus, he is going to be playing Santa Claus. So he's not so like, oh, Goofy or Santa Goofy. It's like, no, I am Santa Claus. I'm literally <laughs> playing this character right now because different people viewed it different ways, different hosts. And they're like, oh, this isn't really Santa Claus. This is Goofy pretending to be Santa Claus. And I'm like, hey, I'm Santa right here. What are you talking about pretending? Now, I have a recollection, and it's very vague, but you mentioned Goofy in Frontierland. And yeah. I remember something called Pecos Goofy. Sure. You never did that one? I think I did once or twice, oh. but it wasn't very often. Yeah, that was back before, like kind of when I was in the first year or two. It was tough, too, because, again, that was kind of a hard one to staff regularly, so you wouldn't see a whole lot of Pecos Goofy. But it was. It was. You had, what do you call them? Chaps. Uh, 
You had chaps. I feel like you had a holster, but it was empty, of course. You had a pony print or whatever, like the black and white yeah. polka dot looking thing. And then you had a big old cowboy hat on and everything like that. So same sort of a thing. It's just like you definitely walk in doing the John Wayne walk <laughs> and you kind of have your arms to the sides. And, and for me, what I loved about that shift, we talked, I think, last time about the break area, which is a not a good break area, but a unique break area. But the best part is Frontierland has this constant loop of old Western theme music playing the entire time. So you'd hear the hoedown by Strauss, A.V. Crockett would be playing. And so it really gave you the feel that like, I'm in Frontierland, man, I'm a cowboy. And one that is unique to you, Jeff, this is not something I ever got to take part in. And we're going to get into this a little bit later on in more detail. But there was a show that you did where you got to be beach party goofy. And what can you tell people about that particular costume? Yeah, well, actually, the costume was pretty similar to the DCA one. We would change into the DCA one later on, like if we were doing just like sets around the park or something like that. So instead of cargo shorts, they were more like board shorts. And I feel like instead of it being an open hawaiian shirt it was buttoned and and then wasn't there also a scene where you would actually surf in an old-timey bathing suit with the yes! stripes and everything i forgot about that that was a quick change we had to wear that for a second or two and we had like a what do you call those like floppy brim hats with the, the brim that goes all the way around like a bucket hat or you know what i'm talking about like a fisherman's hat okay yes yeah we had that pinned on as always well that's the other interesting thing like costume wise which after doing shows, I started doing it for all of them, is that we kind of talked about this, I think, last time, is that usually for a lot of the heads, especially Goofy, is that it would just kind of rest like a hat on your head, and then you'd have to tuck the neck in. And at least for me, I moved so much that I had to actually pin the neck down, because otherwise the neck would start flopping out. But what I found in the show is that in addition to that, I would also wear like a chin strap, so that that head would be on my head really tightly, and that really enabled me to yank my head around quite a bit. Not good for my neck, I'm sure, but hey. So, moving off of Goofy then, um, another character that there was a fair amount of need for, there were there were two bears in the park that you would see fairly regularly. And uh, when we talked about my first time in costume in the park was Brer Bear. Eat for Brer Bear. <laughs> I mean, Critter Country didn't have a lot going for it until they opened up, you know, the the, the Winnie the Pooh oh. ride, and the, you, and I I actually wrote a whole rap battle song about taking back Critter Country that was Brer Fox and a, a Brer Bear. We're running round because we don't care. The whole thing was about you know, we were going to take down the Winnie the Pooh characters from the Hundred Acre Wood, and we were going to reclaim Critter Country, but you know. Anyway, one of these days, I'll, I'll have to break that out. And we'll, we'll bust out the full version. Patreon. <laughs> you can get the, the Critter Country rap. But with Br'er Bear, for me, I would literally walk around in that costume just going under my breath. You know, it's like I just had to have nothing in my brain and just kind of see people like, and I was always just like slightly bobbing up and down because I just figured Br'er Bear is just this country bumpkin who's just kind of like whatever there's people here okay yeah picture all right i'm going kind of having a day and there happened to be people with cameras there was stories of brer bear and brer fox being real mischievous and crazy but that was never my philosophy with my <laughs> brer bear how about for you jeff yeah yeah i was not a big fan i mean it's always that weird thing about brer bear and that uh, when we talk about characterizations although one thing i should put as, as a caveat to all of this a lot of this is kind of idealized characterizations because some of the some of especially like you're you're goofy in toontown you're trying your best just to get any kind of animation out there because it's a zoo and you're being swamped and it's, it's not like well hello everybody how's everybody doing an autograph delightful da, 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 da. no 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 you've got about like two and a half seconds to sign that before somebody else jumps on you so uh, you kind of squeeze it in when you can now brer bear on the other hand nobody really wants to see brer bear so you <laughs> You get a little bit more time to kind of mess around. You're in Critter Country. Who's down there anyway? The weird thing I thought, which actually added, again, kind of letting the costume and the characterization flow together, is the belly hung so low. It hung almost down to your ankles. So you literally had to shuffle everywhere that you went. And I felt like that kind of added to the character. So he's not just 
striding around like the beast or something like that. He's barely shuffling like, you know, a goofus. And I don't know if you ever did this, Adam, but because you you looked kind of underneath his chin and where his mouth was on his face, there was actually an opening. So quite often someone would give me an autograph book and I'd be like, oh, you want me to eat this? And so I would <laughs> stick it in my mouth. No, Brad, Brad, don't eat my book. I'm like, oh, okay. Now, the scary thing is, is if you push it in too far, then it ends up inside there with you. And you're like, uh-oh, um... I don't know what to do now. And it may have happened where it has to slap onto your face and then just kind of roll its way down your body and then you kind of kick it out your foot. Like, that's a little weird. What just happened there, Bear Bear? That's right. But hopefully you didn't get that far. I mean, technically better than trying to pull your arm in and vomit it out, you know, push it out through the head. So I, I suppose whatever way you get your book back, that's what you're going to do. I suppose. Uh, but yeah, so that's one of those situations I feel like for some people it would be if you had a Br'er Fox with you, you should be having a lot of back and forth interaction with, with that guy. But overall, also, like, even in the cartoon itself, Br'er Bear is always just kind of lumbering around, and it's Br'er Fox that's like, hey, what are you doing? What you think? What are you up to? You know, he's like, he's the one who's all honorary. Br'er Bear is just kind of, if he gets pushed far enough, he'll go it's and true. do something. And that was always the weird thing about Br'er Bear, is because I, I don't think I ever once did Br'er Bear with a Br'er Fox. So literally, no one knew who I was. Well, plus, if you were over by country bear they thought you were one of the country bears exactly like sometimes i would literally try and stand by splash mountain and point to my statue and be like that's literally (laughs) me man like that's it right there because that's the tough part is he is a villain so villain like that's that's always a tough characterization like an honest allegiance to the character is going to be problematic for the actual job you're performing that's tough too well, if there were no rabbits around, then there's not a problem, you know? He's, he doesn't um, want to beat up everybody. Doesn't he? I don't know. <laughs> he was not a good... I don't know. That's one of the reasons I hated playing Captain Hook. Same thing. Well, if you mention it, We'll get back to the other bear in a second. If you bring it up, Captain Hook, let's just jump into there right now. Because I played Captain Hook, I think, only once or for one week and had a couple shifts. But there was something about that costume. It just didn't fit me terribly well or something. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't one where I was complaining like when I did the Beast. (laughs) I don't want to be Captain Hook. I don't want to be a pirate. Anyway, but it uh, it was a situation where, yeah, like I didn't get to inhabit that character very often so the brief experience i had captain hook to me was literally he just thought he was so great and he thought he was in charge of everybody but nobody was ever listening to him so he would get frustrated you know and especially if you had a smee with you you'd never react angrily to a guest but you could always look at smee and be like ah you know throw your hands up like what are you doing you know get over here you know like things like that you can kind of boss him around a little bit but that, that was about as far as i went with my brief time as captain hook that's a tough one, because I mean, Captain Hook is probably, at least while I was there, it was probably the most common villain to be around in the park, because it was, yeah, it was a relatively easy costume. It was something that people would recognize. Uh, it was kind of weird that it was, because Peter Pan and Wendy, they were face characters. Like, you could literally go up and talk to them, but Captain Hook and Smee were not. They were, and I mean, maybe that's why, maybe because they were villains, I don't know. I mean, the tough part is the definitive characteristic of Captain Hook is he hates children. Like, that's his deal, is that he <laughs> hates the Lost Boys. And he literally says that line multiple times. So then it's like, well, now I've got all these children coming up, and I'm like, do I give him a hug? No. So for me, because you want to play him correctly, but after a day of playing Captain Hook, because you're right, you, you play him either frustrated or snooty or above everybody. After eight hours of doing that, I felt lousy. I just felt like a jerk. And I'm like, oh, like I just did not enjoy, especially when you, you turn around and you do something like Goofy, who's just full of joy. And, and that's great. You spend a day doing that and making kids smile and laugh. And then you spend a day being angry and uh, less so yeah and the other thing that was difficult that i do recall about the costume is captain hook does have a belt with a holstered sword a permanently holstered sword so that thing's like slapping you all the time as you're moving around and it's heavy and it's like hanging on one side you know and of course the kids are all coming up they're trying to pull your sword out of the hill fight yeah call you a codfish you know so it's just like there's like you said jeff there's a lot of negativity (laughs) associated with the character so it's kind of hard 
on the flip side, because it sounds like we haven't really, unless you have things to say about Queen of Hearts, I don't know if we have I a lot to say. absolutely do. You do. Okay, well, before that, because I know you have nothing to say other than what you've already said about the Beast. So I have a lot to say about the Beast. But the interesting <laughs> thing is the Beast is not really a villain, but the reality is, is the most of the movie, that's how he's played. And I mean, you're playing the Beast in Beast form. So usually you would play him angry and, you know, whatever, you're, you're the Beast, right? And that's kind of how the Beast is supposed to be. And at least for me, especially when I was a rookie, I never was with a bell. It was just the Beast all by himself because he's recognizable. We don't need to waste a bell. Like, put the bell somewhere else and put Beast here and... Beast will form his own line and, you know, people want autographs with him. And the best, and it's that interesting thing that I talked to some of the other performers is that it was maybe less about, I mean, it was still about authenticity of the character because I think that's always kind of a big deal. But the interesting thing was, is that it's almost more about just survival for your own sanity. Like, how do I do this and be entertaining? So my favorite one was one of the guys said that the way he plays the Beast is he plays the Beast right before Gaston stabs him. So he's just like the constant weenie, where he's just like, oh, I can't do this. And it's just like, I one time got a kid. Here's the beast. He comes up to the beast with a golf pencil and a post-it note. And I'm like, this is a joke, right? Like, 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 this is, this is no way. Yeah, just keep in mind, um, folks, the beast's hands are very thick paws. They're not claw hands, they're paws. Yeah. So you well, can't and, do much with that. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, I I did it, but yeah. So th that would be some form of comedy is like, oh, small utensils. I can't handle these. But then I like the weenies. I couldn't ever pull it off, to be honest with you. I did kind of more of the sulking beast. Because you have to have a bell to be running up. Oh, bell. But it, the other thing that I should mention, that there's kind of the caveat to all of this. Notice that all of this is like on us. I never never in six years got said, hey, let me talk about your characterization of Baloo. I feel like it doesn't get to the heart of like, no, no. It's literally, unless you're getting in trouble or doing something way out of line, it's all on the performer to just kind of do what they feel is best. That's a good point. And I will mention this if we're going to talk about bad behavior for just a moment. <laughs> and then we'll get back into some more characters. We'll spice this up a bit. So again, Goofy. He's humble. He's full of joy. He's just fumbling around he's having a, a nice day and you happen to be there and he's excited to see you all of that so one time while working in toontown and we've talked about this how you know you would work into the evenings in toontown up until the fireworks were ready to go off and i remember that i had finished my shift for the night so i was getting ready to walk across the park to go and get on a shuttle get to my car and all of that and as i'm walking out over by the post office just leaning onto the talking mailbox, if you know what I'm talking about in Toontown, there was Goofy talking to this girl oh. and literally talking and he was flirting with her and there i mean there was nobody in toontown at that point i think they were getting ready to get people out you know he was last few minutes of his shift but i was just like what are you doing you know and i knew the guy obviously who was my devil and i was just like man where is our lead where is the host i don't know what's going on here and, and i heard later on from that guy he had gotten the girl's number and hung out with her and her friends all that night like so he was setting up a date in costume it's a chick magnet man you can't <laughs> resist the goof. what can we say oh it's true and i know uh some <laughs> of our listeners out there have a particular fondness in that direction for goofy so we hear you we feel you but uh we also know that not really how goofy is played yeah that was that was a one-of-a-kind experience at least i hope it was and yeah. i never saw any discipline but another smooth character who i did play quite a bit if i wasn't gonna be Chef Goofy at Goofy's Kitchen, you better believe that I was going to be Baloo. So Baloo, everybody knows the bare necessities. He's just the coolest, jazziest guy in the jungle. You walk in there and you're just kind of like, yeah, man, yeah. You know, you're kind of bouncing around. You know, you can point to people, give them that you're awesome, I'm awesome. Just kind of got a, a bounce in your steps. It's not a silly bounce. It's just like, yeah, Baloo's here, everybody. Hey. 
<clears throat> but it was it's that interesting thing and I thought it was funny that Nikki pointed out in our special episode about Baloo's getting into trouble or, or doing that sort of stuff which is funny not because of those things but because one like Adam said is that you know the Jungle Book version of Baloo is very you know the hep cat and stuff but even more so was the tailspin Baloo. So the nice thing is, is that we essentially were both. And so Baloo and the genie were very similar, where you're not up to no good necessarily, but you're just the fun-loving, especially that you would see in the Jungle Book, where he's, you know, calling Bagheer Baggy and kind of slapping him around and stuff like that. Not malicious, he's not playing pranks on people, he's not being unkind, but just... What's something wacky we can get up to, you know? Whereas Goofy, I don't think Goofy would even think of such a thing. Whereas Baloo, yeah, I felt like there was a long leash. Was that true or not? Probably not. But I could also, in my mind, I could justify. I once did, how far did I get? My goal was to do a full trip around Disneyland because I was just like, he's Baloo, man. He might get up to something and end up in Tomorrowland. You never know. So I think I did start in Critter Country and make it all the way to Town Square because I went through Adventureland at least. I shouldn't have. That was not what my lead wanted me to do. But it's Baloo, dude. You never know what he's going to get up to. I guess not. Now, one of my favorite bits, which again, it feels like maybe dangerous or not appropriate, but Baloo has a big old butt. Baloo has childbearing hips is what he's got. (laughs) He's a bear. He's a bear, man. And so what I would always do is I would get excited at the kids. You know, the kids, oh, Baloo's here. So I'd be like, yeah, 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 come over here, come over here. And they would kind of run towards me, and then I would flip around and make them run into my butt. That that was a very common joke that I would play. And then, oh, come on, come over here, little britches, you know, and I'd rub their head. And then I'd do it again. Like, come on over, ah, gotcha again. Not malicious, but Baloo was always going to play a couple pranks is how I felt about it. It actually, just a little fun story, but one time when I was doing Baloo at Goofy's Kitchen, just this guy and his wife sitting at a table, and he's like, by the way, Baloo, I just wanted to let you know, I just did your voice in the direct-to-video sequel, so thought you'd like to know that. And I was like, oh, that's pretty awesome. So I got got to actually meet the voice actor who was bringing Baloo back to life, so that was kind of neat. But yeah, when he brought up Tailspin, too, like somebody posted on social media the other day the Tailspin Baloo character i wish i could have had a chance to do that one because that would have been way fun you know and if you could have had a kick cloud kicker next to you pretending to surf the clouds that'd be kind of neat but uh yeah baloo was always a lot of fun yeah one of these days when we get into our break room buddies episode we're going to talk a little bit about our favorite baloo which is me right what (laughs) not me Not you. my favorite Baloo. I don't know who you're talking about. (laughs) Time will tell. Time will tell. So, Jeff, you brought up Genie, and you talked about him quite a bit uh, before your love to interact with Aladdin and Jasmine and really live up Genie. But did you have any signature moves where you tried to replicate anything from the film when you were Genie? No. That's physically impossible, man. (laughs) One, you have legs. He had no legs through most of that movie. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's not the biggest thing that I would do is I would change my level quite frequently and really quickly because like Adam mentioned and this is I think I don't think it's even necessarily character it's it's more the overall approach is that realizing especially for us tall guys which is something I've taken into my own personal life for us being six feet or higher is that a two-year-old who's two feet or three or like that's intimidating So to change levels and to get down on their level, that's a huge thing to connect to a kid that way. So we would definitely do that, I think, with most characters. I mean, you can't with a bear because you got no knees. So like as opposed to Goofy, where Goofy, I would very slowly kind of take a knee and like so that I could look him in the eye and stuff like that. Whereas with Genie, I would just go bang and I would just be down on the ground. And I I mean, sometimes I would get down on all fours, but usually I'd just be down on my knees like, hey, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? And then all of a sudden I'd get back up and I'd jump on a wall or something like that. Hey, I'm up on a wall. And just like, so there's a lot of like really quick, not weird blue man group sort of stuff, but just a mile a minute, like fast and... Right, yeah, you're matching the Robin Williams energy. And plus, the genie costume probably 
even more so than Goofy, just had such mobility. I mean, oh, your yeah. pants, you were wearing MC Hammer pants, basically. You know, like, like you, you could actually move your legs super fast, and, and you'd have to worry about ripping the costume or anything, because it was not so much form-fitting, but it was in the shape of a regular human body, for the most part. You know, it just happened to be blue. And, you know, the head was very light. So, yeah, you could. Like, I would do a lot of transforming. So I would do, like, the funky chicken, you know? Like, whatever, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I turned into animals. I'd, I'd pretend that I had transformed. I'd do a lot of spinning around on a heel, you know? So, like, it looked like, oh, I'm spinning around. Now I changed. Look at these, Genie, you know? So that was kind of what I like to do is let their imaginations or <laughs> assume that my imagination was transferring somehow to them. It's like, ah, don't I look like a camel now? Ah, anybody? All right. You know, but still, like, th- so that was, I think you're right, Jeff. Yeah, you had to have that manic energy. And whether they were on board with you or not, you were on to the next joke after that. You know, so you just like, yeah, just always keep them on their toes. Yeah. And again, for me, because my favorite thing was doing those sets with Aladdin and Jasmine. And so then it was about that dynamic is that like that's one of the great, especially in the cartoon show that followed and in the, in the sequels to Aladdin, just that buddy relationship between the genie and Al. Yeah, you'd really play into that. And especially if you got a good Aladdin, you would always just kind of like poking at each other and just doing stuff like that. Yeah. Now, another one, you know, we've mentioned briefly is Woody. So obviously the Toy Story characters are very popular and woody being a cowboy is going to end up in frontier land most of the time that's where he fits i mean i'm sure these days he's out at a california adventure at the pixar pier area because they have the actual toy story ride you get to go on and shoot things right so that's kind of fun but woody for me it kind of follows what we were talking about with pecos goofy i mean you just you have a little bit of saunter in your step you got the cowboy moves but woody also is kind of unevenly weighted to me at least like that the head was pretty heavy and it was very tall and stiff and plus the boots that you would wear were ridiculously oversized were, and loose spectacular i would just wear them around man those were <laughs> such awesome boots they were because... very soft yes yeah. but they but they but they weren't secure so you had to step very carefully exactly. and take big steps oh they were beautiful <laughs> well it's the funny thing too is because most character shoes were your shoes that would either have something Velcroed on them or you would put a shell over them, except for like Goofy, that you would actually have shoes that were just Goofy-sized. And Woody, you would just literally put your foot inside those boots. Now, that did mean they were pretty gross after the shift was over, but hopefully they Lysoled the heck out of them before the next day or whatever. But it is interesting, like you said, Adam, is that like even more so than Pecos Goofy is that Woody's a ragdoll. So yes, you're kind of walking like John Wayne, but you're walking like John on Wayne that doesn't have any bones so you're just yeah. kind of like flopping and for me the boots really helped with that because you had to flop those boots out because you couldn't ever pivot on your toe so you just had to be like flopping heel first and now the one that blows me away not so much as far as characterization but just as far as costume is that at least as long as I did it there was always a pole string on Woody's back that was just permanently attached. I would only get a couple of people a day that would pull on that. I don't know how, man. If I saw that, I'd pull on it. That's what it's for, right? <laughs> like, I can't believe that, that that was there and we didn't all die. Well, what I found was, you know, like, and maybe this is how I was distracting people from that, but because the hands were very rubbery plastic feel to mimic the toy, when you would shake somebody's hand, people were always like, oh, his hand, he feels like a toy. People would react to it. So I feel like that would already set people off. But yeah, be it Woody, obviously people would come up and say, Woody, there's a snake in your boot. So that's like about the only time I would kind of freak out, but, or people would want to ask you to draw. Yes. Get your gu- your finger guns out. Probably the only character that would ever be allowed to do finger guns being Woody. And Baloo. Because he's Baloo, baby. You <laughs> would do it. Although I did a lot of finger guns with Genie. But they weren't actually guns. That's just how he says, like, all right. I'm a finger guns guy. I gotta say it. <laughs> well, Genie does have that whole moment in the movie where he actually does shoot his magic out of a finger gun. That's so where he does that. All right, another interesting one, and Jeff, I don't know if you ever got to play over at California Adventure, was Kronk. Did you ever get into a Kronk costume, Jeff? Well, I was working when Emperor's New Groove came out. Did you get fitted, at least? I did, but there were only 
two people in the entire department that had waists skinny enough. Hmm. So now you did lose a lot of weight. So I'm yes. not discounting the fact that you could have been one of those like three people that was skinny enough. <laughs> but it, it may also be possible that they kind of, you know. You think they let it out so that I could play Kronk? Is that it what makes you're me saying? feel a little better, honestly. Just because but... you remember me from my chubby days, Jeff. Well, no, because again, otherwise it means I'm in my chubby days, so I don't like that part. <laughs> well, Disney was, was the best weight loss program I, I could think of, because you're in a costume sweating all day. Yeah, it was a pretty good deal. But playing Kronk for me was pretty wild. But it, yeah, it was interesting, because you were literally pulling fake legs with muscles over your own legs and the same with your body because you know a lot of his skin shows so you're putting on a whole other body but it's super bulky and then you just have like a very simple very light head that snapped together i believe it was actually i'm trying to remember if that one was one of the ones that had magnets in it where it was just two pieces that snapped together but and also if i remember correctly because i mean he had his hair that went out the back i believe you had a flesh colored hood that you would wear under that again so you're your actual skin didn't show, but, you know, the fabric-y type skin did. But Emperor's New Groove wasn't, like, a huge hit, but enough people that knew who you were were, like, very excited that you were there. So, and of course, you're all muscular, so you do a lot of posing, and then you pretend like you were going to do some squirrel talk to somebody, even though you weren't allowed to actually make the noises. And it was always, for me, Kronk was very herky-jerky. You know, everything was very sudden in his movements back and forth, because that was just the way... They animated him, as I recalled. It was kind of like, hey, how about that? All right, yeah, all right, let's go. There's that kind of thing overall. And, and, you know, he did have his duncy moments too. But when I was at, out there as Kronk, there was a Kuzco costume. So occasionally you would have a Kuzco to play off of. But at the same time, they didn't really interact in the movie. So it didn't make a lot of sense. You know, like, you weren't going to get a Pacha, you know. I don't think there was anybody skinny enough that could play uh... Yzma. Yeah, they did. Yzma. I remember it. there was three costumes. One for Cusco, Kronk, and Yzma. And that Yzma costume was spectacular. And, yeah, literally we got the skinniest girl in the entire department. And she looked ridiculously chubby in it. Like, you just couldn't pull it off. And uh, when we get to our celebrity encounters episode i had a very fun celebrity encounter in cronk and i've already teased it once before and i was gonna drop it in this episode but i want to keep you coming back so celebrity encounters episode keep an eye out for it you're gonna find out who cronk ran into but speaking of muscular characters at dca one of the last characters i was fitted for and got to play was mr incredible from the Incredibles. So that was towards the end of my second run and the movie had just come out the, the year prior, I believe, and it was a pretty big hit. And that was a costume where apparently I was getting a little more lax in my diet or something because I it had to be skinny to be in that one too because he's incredibly muscular. There's a lot of padding in that upper body. You know, he's got the skinny legs but then he's got the huge upper body. And so I remember like I only got to play him probably three or four times because after a while I couldn't fit in the costume comfortably anymore. You know, you would usually go out with an Elastigirl and there wasn't a whole lot with Mr. Incredible. You know, he's a, a middle-aged guy but he's not a super energetic character. He's kind of like, I could do what I need to do when the moment strikes but otherwise I'm just kind of, hey nice to see ya. You know, I'm just the guy from the neighborhood. Is it kind of how I always played him. He's a more direct and like, hi, how are you? Nice to meet you yeah come on over here let's take a picture i'd always promise to lift things and get over there and be like eh, no i'm just kidding i'm not gonna do it. <laughs> so i and i you know go up and find like the largest because there was that back lot thing where they did that stunt show and so they had like a car that was back there and so i'd pretend to lift up the car and the, which is tough because i should be able to lift it so i had to come up with some excuse about why i wasn't gonna do it now, and you would usually, like I said, be out there with an, an Elastigirl, and uh, that actually created an issue for me at one point, where I had a very jealous 
girlfriend at the time who came to see me in costume that day and I was just being in character you know so this is my wife Elastigirl so I would put my arm around her in a picture or something or if we're walking out together just be like hey this is my wife you know we're here to see you we're here to save the day and so this girlfriend was convinced that I was having some relationship with the Elastigirl I'm like no I'm playing a part you're just such a great performer like what could they say like very believable sold it Now, one other character, we're going to get into the ins and outs of playing this character, but I think it's worth mentioning just very briefly for the 10 to 15 seconds that you would appear in this costume. Oh, yeah. Jeff and I both got to play Sweetums in the Muppet Vision 3D show. For those who have not seen the show... I mean, it's literally a screen and you put on 3D glasses and stuff is happening. But at a certain point, Sweetums is walking around the screen, Bonnie, you know, looking for this bunny. And then all of a sudden he walks out into the audience with a flashlight and he's walking just up and down, looking around and then goes out again. And that that was a shift where you had to play that character. So you would sit well, around. You had some dialogue, though, too. Anybody here see a bunny? Again, we'll get into it. But there, there were some interesting movements you had to learn inside the costume to have hands going with the mouth going and everything else. But yeah, Sweetums literally was just like, what's the biggest, stompiest, looking like a giant toddler you could? You know, that, that's how I played it. It was just like, Sweetums is just kind of, oh, 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 not really even in control of his body so much but he's so heavy that he's not flailing around but his body is still just kind of moving with the momentum of how giant he is is how i always was playing him again not for very long but <laughs> that, that if i if i had a philosophy that's what it was it's interesting because one you're playing a character that was just on screen and then you come down so they've already gotten to connect to the character the characterization has already begun on the screen plus you've already got dialogue that you're speaking along with so for me i would usually just try and play into the whole 3d thing i guess i liked quick motions that seems to be a a theme of mine from now that i'm hearing myself so it would be a lot of real quick because we had a flashlight so i'd try and shine it in as many people's faces as i could and like stare at them right in the face and yeah now jeff in my whole repertoire of characters I literally only have one more that I need to talk about. So I'm curious for you, are there any other for special events or things that you recall, maybe even just one time characters that you got to wear that you can recall? I mean, we talked about the Beast. That was obviously a big thing that I did quite a bit. I did for the summer when uh, Atlantis came out. I played Vinny, the bomb maker. Right. There were some gags involved with that where you would kind of like get a bag that ticked, but that never actually worked. But uh, at least that one, because no one would know who you were unless you were with a Milo. And even then, I think we were in a photo location. So then it would be kind of playing off the Milo. That was the very last character I was fitted for. Like, like the, like I was leaving in a week, but they said, well, we're still fitting everybody, so you might as well just go down. So I remember putting on the costume, and that was the one I remember did have the magnetic connectors yep. for the head, which was very cool. I was like, whoa, what an innovation! <laughs> but I never got to wear it in the park. I literally just got fitted, had it on, and that was like the last new character I ever experienced. It was, it was a nice costume because it was well-designed. It was hot, but it had gloves for hands, so that gave you a lot of flexibility. And I think you were actually looking at his eyes, so that really helped. His character, I mean, because it's, what's his name? Uh, Father Guido Sarducci. Sarducci, yeah. So he, you know, has a very kind of subtle, like, hey, like, what's a, like, uh, I mean, maybe just pray, I guess. Like, that, that was kind <laughs> of your character. And so there's not a whole lot to do with that. So it was a weird choice for the park. Yeah. Well, it was just because who else are you going to do? Because we had we had a Milo, we had a Kita, we had a Moliere, and we had a Vinny. And Moliere was much more interesting, but much less that he could do. So I guess, but that's how I always felt like. I was like, you have Moliere, why do you have Vinny? Because nobody, he can't actually blow anything up, and he can't talk in the Father Guido right. voice. And that was really what was funny about him. Yeah, two face characters, like they, they like that ratio. I think to have two and two, and and Vinny's really the only other option because all the other characters are very just normal people. Now, and I believe it was our preview episode. You obviously mentioned your opportunity to do a Make a Wish as Jafar. Yeah, which I mean, was, was very special. 
special. Yeah, that was literally just, and that was the only time that I wore Jafar. And I feel like, and I'm trying to remember if there was another villain, because I feel like, I mean, we talked about Queen of Hearts. You wanted to talk about Queen of Hearts, didn't you? Yeah, well, so let let me do that then. So, so I have one more character that we have not mentioned that was very near and dear to my heart. It was the Queen of Hearts, and that was my absolute favorite character to play. Whenever anybody asks, oh, you work at Disneyland, oh yeah, what, what do you like to do over there, what's your favorite? Queen of Hearts, without skipping a beat, because she was the ultimate diva. To be Queen of Hearts, like, first of all, her costume, we talked about Jeff's, you know, wardrobe malfunctions in his early days, but I mean, that is just such an elaborate costume, and you have a big hoop skirt type of thing where it's just like, it's sticking out there, people have to get out of your way because you are large and in charge when you are the Queen of Hearts, and especially... Because she is known for just getting her way and throwing a tantrum. Everything has to be the queen's way. So for me to just be able to march out there and let everybody know that I'm here and just throw my hands up, a little flick of the wrist, do my princess wave at first to get people to come over. And then when they would ask for an autograph or a picture, this was always what I did. I don't know how I got away with it, but for the men... I would always make them kiss my hand. So I would put my hand out, you know, in a little fey manner, and then they would have to hold it very gently and kiss my hand, and then the men were allowed to come up. But then I would always do a talk to the hand motion to the women, and I would make them kiss my foot. So it was a little talk to the hand, point down, stick my little ballet slipper out from underneath my dress, and they would have to get down there. And they would always be resistant at first. They'd be like, no. Especially if they were, like, foreign. They would just kind of shake their head at first. And so I would flip around, just totally turn my back on them, and put my hand up, you know, over my shoulder, just kind of like, well, you're missing out then, because the queen has spoken. And I would start walking away, and then they'd be like, oh, please, please, please! So then I'd turn around, and I'd just kind of put my finger to my chin and then point to my foot again (laughs) and i would look at my watch and i would just be waiting i'm waiting so once they finally kissed my foot then we were girlfriends then it was oh give me a hug oh sweetie come over here you know yes 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 of course we're gonna do a picture so like the queen's demeanor would totally change and especially after that what was so fun was once you know all the people that were waiting had seen that all go down either the crowd would would thin out because nobody was willing to do that or they were 100% on board and willing to play along. And so that was my favorite thing to do is to just, that was the queen's performance for the day. I would just have so much fun being queen of hearts. And if I could have done that shift, you know, on a regular basis, I would have been thrilled. It, It was the most fun. Wow. All right. Villains, man. I had a question actually for you, Jeff, as we've come to the end of our actual list of characters we've played. There's always the wish list or favorite characters or people we knew existed, but rarely got to see in the park or never did. And I became aware of just how many costumes actually existed in Toontown one day. I remember going to the counter with the costumers and they had a binder that had all the costumes in it. And somebody who was next to me had gone up and asked for it and taken it into the break area and were just flipping through it. So I followed them in there and I just couldn't believe the number of costumes of characters you would just never imagine that were in a warehouse somewhere. Exactly, because they never throw any of them away. They just put them back into storage. And uh, and it's fascinating to see, like, even, you know, you go back to pictures from the 60s and whatever, and that, you know, the Mickeys and the Donalds look so radically different. And it's not like those costumes, they destroyed them. Like, they're back there. You know, they just, they're obviously never going to use them. But every movie that's come out, you know, like the Rescuers and the, all that sort of stuff like yeah. that, they're back there somewhere. I mean, there there was like, there's a Mrs. Potts costume. And I think that was usually used for parades and things, but it existed. So if that was somebody's wish to see Mrs. Potts, there it was. Or I remember being the most surprised by, I had actually seen a Roger Rabbit in the park back in the day for the brief time that he was allowed to be in Disneyland, essentially. But when I remember looking there and being like, wait a minute, there's weasel costumes? Huh. Wait a minute. 
there's a Jessica Rabbit costume? And so it existed, but it was more of a face character costume from my recollection of looking at that photo. And so I was just like, that is crazy to me. But like Jeff said, you know, you'd get some of those oddball 70s characters too that just weren't going to come around again. Black you know, cauldron. just. Yeah. Yeah. Even the Disney Afternoon, where a lot of those characters that you and I kind of talked about, like when we were kids, a Bonkers, you know, is, is in there. And I'm pretty sure Monterey Jack is in there somewhere. And... Who knows if there's a zipper costume? That seems like that would be difficult. A very small person. So chances are, if you have a favorite character from Disney history, there is a costume. So if you ever become incredibly rich and you can you know, <laughs> pay thousands of dollars to the Walt Disney Company to have Goliath from the Gargoyles at your birthday party, that you have a chance there. So the one that I, I did forget, like, and, and I would be remiss to leave out of my own list because he's in there now, I would assume, is James P. Sullivan, Sully from Monsters, Inc., because I did Sully a bunch when I was doing the Sully show or doing the Monsters, Inc. show, playing that character. They decided not to let us do just like normal roaming the park sets because you couldn't hold anything because you didn't have any hands or anything like that. Uh, and the Mike Wazowski costume, literally your arms were attached to these levers so that you could move them up and down, but you weren't actually inside the arms. So I would assume those are back there now, even with Pixar Pier. There's so many more nowadays that I'm seeing online that are coming into the park, and a lot of the more obscure characters are really getting their day in the sun. And so there's a lot of folks, you know, at Walt Disney World and things like that also that are, are getting their moments, because I think they have like 90s nights and things like that, so they'll bust out the Disney afternoon characters and whatever else. So, with that, next time around, we are looking forward to digging into something that, again, we've hinted at and talked about here and there giving you little snippets of of life in the disney dining world but not just disney dining but what kind of interaction that allows you that's different from in park because again in the park it's kind of a free-for-all you got crowds of people there and maybe they're interested maybe they're not maybe they're gonna be pushy maybe they're gonna be mellow whatever it is it's a whole different experience when people have paid a premium price to be in a restaurant and they are guaranteed special moments with characters. We've mentioned a few of the characters we played, but there's a little bit more to it than that. So we're going to take you through our experiences working in Disney dining, as well as sharing a few other uh, special stories and mixing them in. So we hope that you will be back again. So until next time, oh yeah, bye. 